Welcome to This is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guest is Denise Lieberman, the Director and General Counsel at Missouri Voter Protection Coalition and a nationally recognized voting rights expert and defender. Today, we're going to talk about the recently passed law that will drastically modify election laws in, in Missouri, especially what identification will be allowed in order to vote. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. And we're recording this on August 5th of 2022. So the new law will begin to take effect on August 28th and there will be legal challenges. So please pay attention to the news about the law and we'll do our best to keep you up updated. So this was a very big law that was passed and there's a lot involved in it. Let's just start with the voter IDs. How has the law changed and what will voters need to have with them when they vote in November? The new law on the books, Governor Parson signed House Bill 1878 into law that will go into effect at the end of August. And, and honestly, this law is breathtaking in the many, many ways it changes um, how Missourians will uh, register to vote, cast their ballots and have their ballots counted. One of those ways is by requiring voters to show a uh, non-expired Missouri or federal ID to vote. And so this measure really um, eliminates many forms of ID that Missourians rely upon to, to cast their ballots in this state, uh, like a voter registration card or a student ID from a college or university in Missouri or a, a current utility bill or bank statement. And many of these forms of ID are forms that many Missourians have, but they will no longer be valid to vote. Expired IDs, many of our seniors may use an expired ID to vote. That will not be allowed any longer either. Federal ID could be like a passport or a military ID uh, that's non-expired, but many people don't have that. Leaving basically the kind of ID that you have to get at the DMV. There's only one place you can get an official state ID in Missouri, and that is at your motor vehicle's office. And that's really where some of the problems come in, and that's where some of the barriers come up. How does this negatively affect participation and and kind of what are the hurdles that that voters will need to go through to get these IDs? Well, we know already that there are um, several hundred thousand valid registered voters in the state of Missouri who do not have a non-expired Missouri ID. Um, we were able to compare the voter registration lists against the lists of people who have IDs from the Department of Motor Vehicles. And so that means for people with expired IDs, they will have to go back and re-up their Missouri ID. For people that don't have a Missouri ID, um, maybe students from out of state, people that don't otherwise drive or have a reason to have a driver's license, um, they're going to have to go to the DMV 
and get a Missouri ID for the first time. And that can present some challenges. Um, Not only can it be difficult to get to the DMV, um, but as many of us know who have uh, spent uh, hours in line waiting at the DMV to um, renew our driver's licenses or state IDs, it can be quite a taxing and long experience And it can require you to bring a lot of underlying documents that many people may not have. So first, it can be difficult to get to the DMV. And so if you think about people who don't have a driver's license, maybe people who don't drive, well, some of these folks are going to have just transportation barriers getting to the DMV. And many DMV offices are not located on public transportation routes. Since The bulk of their job involves working with people who drive. Um, On top of that, many DMV offices uh, close before five o'clock. Many are not open on evenings or weekends, making it difficult for people who uh, don't have job flexibility, hourly wage workers, shift workers to be able to get there. These people would be forced to choose to take a day off of work without pay if they want to spend time at the DMV. And then think about people with disabilities or mobility impairments who may have difficulty just standing in a very long line at the DMV. There are even some counties, Kevin, in Missouri that don't have a DMV office. For people in some of these rural areas, they will have to travel one or two counties over to even get to the DMV. Once people get to the DMV, there are many other barriers they may face to getting a state ID because you have to present underlying documents like a certified birth certificate or naturalization papers. A lot of people don't have these documents and some people have documents that may have errors on them and that really makes it challenging. So we think about, for example, many seniors Um, especially senior citizens of color, African-Americans, who typically during days of segregation were not born at hospitals, frequently born at home. Many rural Missourians also were born at home during those times and may not have official birth certificates and would have to go through a process to get a post-dated birth certificate. For anyone whose name has changed since birth, they're going to have to present a marriage license, a divorce decree, court documents of that name change. They'll have to present current documents with their address on it, their social security card. All of these can be really difficult to get. And so we think about, for example, uh, we were talking this week with uh, victims of last week's floods in the St. Louis area. Uh, We've talked to a number of people who were displaced where floodwaters rose throughout their house and papers and files were simply lost in those floods. You'd be surprised at how many people have circumstances like that. I just spoke with a man this morning um, who had a house fire several years ago and all of his government documents were turned to ashes. And so for these people, these underlying documents don't even exist. And so it will be very difficult for them. For people who have to get that certified birth certificate, well, if they were born outside of Missouri, they're gonna have to reach out to the state where they were born. And many states 
to get a birth certificate will require you to provide a copy of a photo ID. But here in Missouri, you have to show a certified birth certificate in order to get a photo ID, putting people into a catch-22 where they'll have to present numerous secondary documents that they may not have. And for people that have typos or errors, I have clients where one document may list their date of birth as one day or one year differently from the social security document or another document that they have or a typo in their names. And this can send people through a bureaucratic maze that makes it really difficult to get those documents reconciled. The truth of the matter is that for people in these circumstances, they are most likely simply to throw up their hands and say, it's just too difficult. I'm not going to be able to get this done. And then they won't vote. Okay. And, and that that just uh, hurdle after hurdle after hurdle just becomes an impediment then. So um, I'll kind of switch my questions up here a little bit since we have all this list and, and, and how big of a challenge this is going to be. Do you have information about uh, where someone can call and contact to get a process started. Because one of the things I've heard too is that this could take eight to 12 weeks. And that means we're already up against the the November election deadline and we're only in the middle of August. We sure are. And especially for people that need to get a birth certificate or, or a marriage license from outside of Missouri, some of these states have very long backlogs. The person I was speaking to who has to get their birth certificate from New York was told that it could be four months before they even get that document. And then that will only be when this person can start the process to get a state ID here in Missouri. Uh, and so there are some resources. The Missouri Secretary of State's office does uh, is providing assistance to voters who need to get a Missouri ID. Missourians can get a non-driver's license uh, without charge if they state that they need it for voting. The Missouri Secretary of State's office uh, is charged with helping people get underlying documents like a birth certificate or a divorce decree um, if, the if the voter needs it. But again, um, if there are some underlying issues, like those documents don't exist, or if there's errors on those documents, the voter will still need to go through that full bureaucratic process to get those documents reconciled. There are clinics uh, in the St. Louis area uh, St. Francis Xavier College Church has an ID access clinic. Uh, they see uh, people typically on Tuesdays, um, and they have been pretty busy, I'm told. Uh, they help a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get those underlying documents. And but keep in mind that they are very short staffed, and it can take months for them to help people get those underlying documents. In the wake, of the passage of House Bill 1878, we're seeing lots of other organizations um, step in to help people get IDs, including the faith community. Missouri Faith Voices, which is a coalition of uh, churches and faith-based organizations, has been leading uh, a series of conversations with the Missouri Secretary of State's office to get the word out to people who need to get IDs. And they are working on putting together ID access clinics in North St. Louis County 
uh, to help people get those underlying documents. Uh, and we know that people will need IDs for all sorts of reasons. Many people need them to get a job, open a bank account, but you will need to say that you need the ID for voting in order to be able to get it without cost at the DMV. Okay, great. Thank you for that information. Now, a few years ago, Missouri tried to implement a photo voter ID law, and that was deemed unconstitutional by our state Supreme Court. Why was that thrown out? And is there anything in this new law that tries to uh, alleviate the court's concerns, or is this looking to kind of go down the same path? The Missouri Voter Protection Coalition and our partners believe that the current photo ID uh, requirement that is set to take effect is likely unconstitutional in Missouri. And we are planning uh, a lawsuit to challenge this law on the same basis that um, previous iterations of Missouri's photo ID law were struck down. You know, Missouri is kind of a poster child on the photo ID issue. We were one of the first states in the country to pass a photo ID law back in 2006. And it uh, similarly eliminated non-photo forms of ID. The Missouri Supreme Court concluded that um, the challenges of getting an ID and those underlying costs that can come into play to get the underlying documents really created a burden and disproportionately so for um, for marginalized voters who would have the greatest difficulties getting those documents and concluded that the law would violate Missourians' right to vote. Missouri lawmakers continued to try and pass a photo ID law, though, every year thereafter, and ultimately passed one again several years ago that went into effect in 2017. Uh, that also was challenged in court, and the Missouri Supreme Court concluded that um, provisions that allowed people to show a secondary form of ID but sign a document saying they had to show a photo ID were confusing to voters and violated the right to vote. In that case, the Missouri Supreme Court recognized that eliminating the options to show a non-photo ID would be unconstitutional. That's precisely what the new law does. It eliminates uh, options for voters to show the various forms of ID, leaving just that kind of ID you have to get at the DMV. And because of the burdens in getting one for some voters, we believe it is likewise unconstitutional. And we'll be challenging this law in court on behalf of organizations that represent voters who don't have IDs, organizations that work to get voters' IDs, and voters who face difficulties getting IDs themselves. Okay, great. Let's uh, move our discussion now to absentee voting. There have been some changes in absentee voting. What what are those changes and how will how will folks need to to handle things differently? Missouri is one of just a few states that um, historically has not allowed anybody to cast an absentee ballot. Across the country, the vast majority of states uh, allow any voter to cast an absentee ballot without providing a reason. But here in Missouri, voters have to indicate one of six reasons that they want to vote at a time that's not election day. The new law changes that in a couple of ways. Uh, first, it, it provides for two weeks of no excuse absentee voting um, but, and there's a big but here, it only applies to some voters. Uh, it only applies to voters 
who can show up in person at the election board office, typically only during working hours. And it only applies to people that show a non-expired Missouri photo ID. And like I said, there are over 200,000 Missouri voters that don't have a non-expired Missouri ID. And so for people who can't get to that election office in person during working hours, for people that lack transportation, for people with disabilities, for seniors, for people with chronic health conditions, for people who have child care obligations or elder care obligations, who can't get to that office or who don't have a photo ID, they're out of luck. And if we think about um, people who have to get those ballots by mail, again, think about our seniors, think about people with chronic health conditions, think about people with child care or elder care responsibilities, they will still be subject to the strict rules on getting absentee ballots. And being a senior citizen is not a valid basis for getting an absentee ballot. Having a chronic health condition is not a basis for getting an absentee ballot. Even having to work on election day is not a valid reason to get an absentee ballot. And so the people that need absentee ballots the most are left out by this new provision. But what's even worse, Kevin, is that if the photo ID part of the law is struck down, which we expect it will be, the absentee voting provision goes away for everybody. And so we're calling this a phantom absentee voting provision because um, at the end of the day, it really won't be effective for Missouri voters. This law also makes, um, makes it more difficult for people to get help getting absentee ballots. And so another way this law changes absentee voting is it makes it illegal for groups and organizations or even individuals to give somebody an absentee ballot application unless they have specifically requested it. This means that, again, the very communities that rely on civic engagement organizations, churches, community groups to get access to these forms well, they won't be able to do so anymore. We know, for example, that um, that the churches have often provided blank forms. Soup kitchens have provided blank forms. Social service agencies would have forms out for people coming in to get government assistance, and they won't be able to have those forms out um, for voters any longer. Again, creating just another hurdle where those voters will have to go and explicitly request an absentee ballot application from their election authority if they're not able to get to the polls. And those were just forms for requesting an absentee ballot. And it was not just handing out absentee ballots. I think nobody has been handing out ballots. Right. Right. Here in Missouri, we have a it's it's really hard to get an absentee ballot. It shouldn't have to be this hard. You have to apply for an absentee ballot. You have to indicate the reason, one of six reasons that you can't go to the polls on Election Day. You have to sign that application and you have to get it in by a deadline. At that point, the election board will review your application, make sure that you are a valid registered voter, 
Um, make sure that the application is complete, that it's signed, uh, that you are registered to vote at the at the address you say you are. And only once they vetted your application will they actually send you a ballot. Uh, and all of this has to be done uh, within some tight deadlines. So it's already pretty hard to get an absentee ballot. Right. And it's quite unfortunate that um, the very people who may need some help getting these forms on a short time frame won't be able to get that help under the new law. And that's why we are also challenging this part of Missouri's new voting law, because we believe that um, we should be helping people who need help, uh, that providing people with access to the tools they need only helps promote democratic participation, uh, and it does nothing to uh, impede the integrity of the voting process. It seems particularly cruel to outlaw helping people navigate a, an already difficult system. I, I, that's, uh, I, I don't understand that um, in, in, in many ways. So, And the worst part of this law is that the, the groups it hits hardest are the people that already have the greatest barriers because of transportation and because of inflexible jobs, because of um, disabilities or chronic health conditions or caretaking obligations, uh, and, and not even being able to help people get the tools that they need uh, is particularly Rule. And unfortunately, we're seeing these kinds of bans all across the country. We all remember seeing Georgia a new law banning even people giving out water to people standing in line at the polling places. All of these provisions are designed to make people just throw up their hands and give up. And so it's less that people will go through all the processes and get denied. It's more that when people have many, many hurdles they have to overcome. People who are already facing many hurdles in their lives, worrying about um, where their next meal is going to come from, worrying about how they're going to pay rent next month, worrying about how they are going to get all the mold out of their basements after last week's flooding. They're just not going to go through all of those steps. Voting does not have to be this hard and getting access to the tools of democracy shouldn't have to be this hard. These tools, these measures disproportionately affect the most marginalized voters, disproportionately affect communities of color, especially African-American voters, disproportionately affect low wage workers, low income communities, disproportionately affect people who don't drive, who rely on public transportation. And these are the same communities that are already overwhelmed with health care concerns, with access to education concerns, uh, housing concerns, food scarcity concerns. And it just puts too many burdens on their shoulders. And the reality is, and the data backs this up, when you put all these rules in place, they just don't participate because they just can't navigate all of the burdens. And it's not because people aren't capable of navigating it. It's that they have already so many burdens on their heads. We've seen some responses when we talk about the disproportionate effects that these laws, photo ID requirements, bans on helping people get absentee ballots, that these laws disproportionately hurt communities of color and low-income communities. And we've seen some folks respond saying, well, that's racist, isn't it, to suggest that these communities aren't capable of getting these documents or going through these hurdles. That's not the reason. 
these laws disproportionately impact these communities. These laws disproportionately impact these communities because they hit right at the places where these communities are also already hit hardest, like having um, extra money, access to transportation, the ability to go online, internet access, the ability to take off in the middle of the day and spend hours in a government building um, going through documents, access to underlying documents and certified documents that they have to get from other government offices. That's the reason these communities are hit the hardest. And it undermines our democracy when we make voting harder for the people who already have to work the hardest to make their voices heard. Now, there, there's also some changes in some wording. Uh, the law eliminates something called mail-in voting, but obviously you can still absentee vote by mail. So what what exactly is the difference and what was the is the law actually trying to prevent? Right. Well, actually, this was a measure that expired in 2020. Uh, in 2020, uh, the Missouri legislature um, provided a temporary option for people affected by the COVID-19 pandemic to vote by mail. But that measure expired at the end of 2020 and was not renewed. And of course, unfortunately, we, um, we're we still in this pandemic. And um, certainly for certain voters who may be immunocompromised, um, have autoimmune conditions or other chronic health conditions, um, the pandemic is still a concern. Or people who live with folks like that. I'm a caretaker for my 91-year-old mother who has congestive heart failure. And so I have to be careful in what I do because I know that if I expose her, her health outcomes, uh, likely health outcomes are pretty disastrous. And so there are many people, including um, housemates and caregivers of uh, immunocompromised people, immunocompromised people that still are worried about COVID. This last election two days ago, Kevin, we heard from many people who were diet, who tested positive for COVID in the days leading up to Tuesday's elections. And they weren't qualified to vote absentee and had to, to cast curbside ballots. Uh, and in some cases didn't go at all because they were concerned about the health risks of voting in person. And so we know these communities are disproportionately affected, and we should be working to make voting more accessible to them. And 35 states, plus the District of Columbia, allow any voter to get a ballot in the mail. And Missouri should join the ranks of the vast majority of states that allow that. What's interesting, Kevin, is that no excuse absentee voting is something that it has been supported by local election officials of all political persuasions. Democrat and Republican election officials support no excuse absentee voting because it facilitates the process and doesn't require the election authority to scrutinize the reason you stated you need an absentee ballot. And unfortunately, the new law that was just passed doesn't actually provide options, wider options for mail-in voting for Missouri's voters. Yeah, the 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 excuse for the absentee ballot has always been a mystery to me because the for the most part, there is no follow-up. It, it seems like it's almost a trap in the law that if somebody wanted to enforce it, they could. But um, as someone who used to travel for business, 
I know we, we took advantage of that all the time. Um, if we were going to be traveling that day. Um, and so you had, uh, people with the means, with the time, um, and, and knowledge of the system taking advantage of it. But meanwhile, the, those, you need to have reasons are there almost as a way to scare people off. Well, and it can be scary because the absentee ballot form states that you are attesting under penalty of perjury. That that you expect to be away uh, from your polls on election day, you sign it. um, And if uh, you violate, uh, if you're found to have um, wrongfully submitted that application, it's an election offense. Um, It's election fraud. You can lose your right to vote for the rest of your life in the state of Missouri. And so, yes, these kinds of documents are scary, especially for communities that have um, been over-prosecuted, over-persecuted, new Americans. We talk to a lot of groups that um, are uh, of of immigrants. We know that, for example, the League of Women Voters does voter registration at naturalization ceremonies. But many of these communities are, are worried about signing government documents under penalty of perjury if they're not 100% sure um, that they uh, won't get a follow-up from a prosecutor. And so it dissuades people from participating and participating fully. We should be working to make voting more accessible, especially to our most vulnerable and most marginalized communities. Well, you and I may have the flexibility to take off work in the middle of the day to go vote. I did uh, on on Tuesday. I was running the Election Protection Command Center, and yet I was still able to run out at two in the afternoon when I knew it would be slow to go cast my ballot. Many people don't have that flexibility in their workday. People who are hourly wage workers, shift workers, they simply don't have that flexibility. And while Missouri law does uh, provide that an employer is supposed to give you time off to work. Uh, It also requires that you have to make this request well ahead of time. And there's all kinds of rules involved with it. And so many workers and many managers don't even know about these rules. And we hear every election day of people who got fired Hmm. simply because they tried to go vote during their lunch hour and the line was too long and they didn't get back in time. So let's change the conversation now to registration. <laughs> so our state decided to not only make it more difficult to vote on the day of voting, but make it more difficult to get people registered. Uh, what has changed and and what is this going to mean for folks? Missouri's new voting law really attacks our most vulnerable voters at every step of the way, making it harder uh, and less accessible to register to vote, to cast a ballot, and to have that ballot counted. One of the ways it does this is by making it illegal for um, anyone to be paid to do voter registration outside of government agencies that are required to do so. And what this means is that um, organizations that have... um, as part of their missions to help go out and register people to vote who have staff will no longer be able to use their staff to organize these voter registration drives. The measure also provides that not only does anyone who has who does voter registration have to be a volunteer, but that those volunteers also have to complete paperwork with the state of Missouri as a voter registration solicitor. And failure to send in that paperwork as a voter registration solicitor is a class three election offense that can 
get you even potential jail time and the loss of your right to vote for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So now organizations like the Legal Women Voters, the NAACP, um, churches that go out and do voter registration that may have staff that set those things up are rethinking and are really having to cancel those voter registration drives because paid staff can't be involved in it. And even if they can help get volunteers to man these voter registration activities, many of them don't want to put their own volunteers at risk of criminal prosecution if they don't fill out that solicitation form correctly. And so what used to be maybe soliciting a volunteer to sit for two hours at a voter registration table at, um, at, at a carnival or a church picnic, well, now you have to go through all this paperwork, even just to do a two-hour shift at the voter registration table. Many volunteers will simply say, that's just uh, too much, and I'm putting myself at risk for doing so. As a result, what we are seeing is that plans for voter registration drives are grinding to a halt right as we are going into the 2022 uh, midterm election season. And it, has the process been set up with the Secretary of State yet to, to get the registers registered, well, for lack of a better term? Yes, because um, up until now, certain people already had to register as solicitors. Those were people that were getting paid to do many voter registrations. But now anyone, even those not being paid, um, if they expect to register more than 10 people in an entire election cycle, will have to register as voter registration solicitors. Okay. So that means that if if our church decides that, hey, we're going to go to the, the Webster Groves Farmer's Market and we're going to just stand on the corner and, and register people to vote, our members would have to then register with the Secretary of State first. That is correct. Okay. All right. That's, that's and, good to know. And uh, your church staff... Um, may have questions about whether they can be involved in organizing that effort. The law says that no one shall be paid or otherwise compensated. And that also is creating a lot of questions for organizations, even if they can get a slew of volunteers to come out to voter registration. Are you compensating them if you provide them with water or pizza, or if you reimburse them for, for gas mileage? Uh, and it's unclear right? Um, whether that's the case. And it's, so again, many organizations are simply canceling plans mm. for those drives out of fear that they might run afoul of the law. Boy, again, this just, just feels heavy for, for no reason. Um, are there any other changes that really concern you when it comes to voting access and, and how the state's going to handle elections? What, what have we not talked about yet? Like I mentioned at the beginning, Missouri's new voting law is really breathtaking in the variety of ways it changes how elections operate, um, both from the part of the voters, on the part of advocacy groups, on the part of election officials in the state of Missouri. It strips local election officials of some of the tools that they need to be able to expand services. And another provision it does that's deeply concerning is it gives the Secretary of State very broad discretion to order voters removed from the voter rolls if he believes that the local election authority has not um, properly conducted list maintenance activities. And the problem there is that there are federal laws that set guidelines for 
how you can safely remove voters from the rolls. There's time frames and time limits. You can't do it, for example, within 90 days of an election. And so Missouri's new law um, seems to give the Secretary of State pretty broad authority to order people removed from the rolls outside of those rules. And what we know, what the data shows, is that when those rules are not followed, valid voters get taken off the rolls. And again, it disproportionately harms voters of color and ethnic minorities. Um, ethnic minorities in part because um, matching processes um, can be complicated for um, people who um, for whom there might be typos in when an election official typed in their registration information, or for people that have um, compound surnames, um, like Hispanic individuals will often include the maternal and paternal surname, but some documents don't allow uh, space for both of those names. Certain people from Asian backgrounds may have a situation where their given name and the surname um, are juxtaposed, uh, because in some Asian cultures, you have the your last name first and your first name last. Uh, and so all of those things result in um, those communities being hit the hardest. And is there anything in the law that was good that that is something that we that will be a benefit in, in voting? Yes, um, there are several things that are positive developments in this law. Unfortunately, um, the, the negatives in this law far outweigh the positives. But one positive development in Missouri's new voting law is that after August 28th, voters will be able to update their uh, registration and vote at the polling place if they have moved within Missouri. And this is a really great development uh, until now. If you move from one county to just over to the next county, you would have had to re-register to vote from scratch in order to be able to cast a ballot. Registration was county by county. Well, we've got a statewide voter registration database. There's no reason for that to be the case. And so this is a um, much needed and positive reform that voters will be able to update their address and vote at the polls. Uh, the no excuse absentee voting has the potential to be good, except that it's going to get struck down and won't be available for everybody. And so we're hoping to be able to continue to work with lawmakers to expand access to no excuse absentee voting for Missouri's voters. So we're excited to see that 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 for people who move, they will be able to update their registrations at the polls. We know that this is one of the most common barriers that voters face on election day. The Missouri Voter Protection Coalition runs Missouri's election protection program. And uh, one of the most common calls we get is somebody who moved and didn't know that they had to update their voter registration before the registration deadline. And those people get turned away at the polls on election day. So this is a positive development. Nevertheless, if you have moved, we still recommend that you contact your local election authority and update your voter registration well ahead of election day. You can do so online at sos.mo.gov slash elections. You can update your voter registration address. It will need to match your current address. And there are a lot of groups that are trying to gear up now to uh, register voters and, and help people obtain those new IDs. What are your thoughts about fighting the new law versus 
gearing up to work within it? Are, are both needed or is there a preference with you and your organization which, which path to take? We need to use all of the tools in our toolkit to ensure that Missourians are able to vote. The Missouri Voter Protection Coalition does this. We operate in multiple lanes simultaneously. The Missouri Voter Protection Coalition effectuates its mission through four buckets of work, and that includes policy advocacy. So we will sit down with legislators to make recommendations for policy reforms, for example, to expand no excuse absentee voting. And we'll continue to push for that um, into the next legislative session. But we also organize strategic litigation. And because we believe that multiple provisions of the new voting law are unconstitutional, we are challenging those voter registration provisions, the absentee provisions, and the photo ID provisions in court, asking the court to block those parts of the law. At the same time, we know that education is absolutely critical. And that's the third prong of work that we do is we put together trainings, toolkits, palm cards that explain all of the details of these new laws. We have weekly meetings every Monday where we have been bringing in experts to inform our community partners across the state about precisely what's in the new voting law and providing them with tools that they can use to educate the communities they work with. We know that when voters are equipped with clear, accurate information, they can more successfully navigate the process. And we are engaging, our groups are engaging with advocacy with the Secretary of State's office and with local election officials on exactly how they will go about implementing the law, because sometimes the devil is in the details of how you go about explaining and providing options for people. And finally, we run election protection to ensure that there are people at the polls on election day where we can help navigate Um, any problems or issues that voters face. And so we are working with groups across the state of Missouri who are now trying to create ID clinics to help people get photo IDs. And we're setting that up and making sure they understand the rules and that they have the tools to help people get underlying documents. And we're setting that up at the same time we're preparing to a legal challenge for um, on the voter ID provision in court. Uh, We have to use all of these tools as well as um, expanded communications to get the word out to people because we know when people are informed, they are more likely to be able to advocate and successfully make their voices heard. Okay, great. Now, as we wrap things up, uh, give me the contact information for any more information about registering to vote, voting absentee, what to do on election day. What What is the contact information for your organization? We invite anybody to reach out to the Missouri Voter Protection Coalition. Uh, you can text us by sending a text message to 66866 and in the text message, write M-O-V-P-C. Text M-O-V-P-C to 66866. 
You can also find us on social media, on Facebook. Uh, you can also send us an email at info at M-O-V-P-C. Org. We're happy to provide you with access to palm cards and toolkits. We're having all of these toolkits translated into multiple languages. Um, and we have a whole language access committee that's working on getting the word out to those communities. We also have an accessibility committee that is working with disability rights groups across the state of Missouri to ensure these communities have access. We would be happy to come provide you with information. You can also get voter registration information or check your registration online at sos.mo.gov. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Denise Lieberman, the Director and General Counsel for uh, Missouri Voter Protection Coalition for joining us today. If you're ready to join MCU in the work of justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314 314- 367-3484 or email us at office at mcustl.com. To learn more about MCU or uh, to donate to MCU, go to our website at mcustlewis.org. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prying, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. 